Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, greeting you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I trust you and your family are doing well. We are still talking about the subject of uh, uh, the uh, grace of God and the faith of man. And yesterday we were talking about why the natural man cannot grasp the things of the spirit of God. And I, I would call it why the natural, you know, about the natural mind of man and also why the natural man cannot really get a grip on spiritual truth. So the mind has to be renewed anyway. So today we are continuing on. And uh, the last thing, uh, well, anyway, I read to you those exhortations yesterday that the Bible gives us when it comes to our minds. So it is very important that uh, for us to be able to walk in these things that our minds are renewed by the word of God in line with the word of God and that a renewed mind is a mind that is trained to think in line with the word of God. Anyway, I want to start by telling you a story which tells you how frightening it can be. Uh, this is an extreme case, but this is something that happened to me many, many years ago. I was uh, newly baptized with the Holy Spirit and there was this pastor. This is back home in Sweden. I really looked up to him. He was like, you know, like an older brother to me. And he used to teach me. He discipled me. And, you know, I, I mean, he was good in many ways. But, but uh, you know, he, he did one thing that was really frightening. And what that was, was that... Uh, I was reading um, a lot of uh, the Bible and books and I spent a lot of time in prayer and I was really, really seeking, seeking God, you know, and preaching and God was using me. So one day uh, I remember I, I got a book called The Wonderful Name of Jesus, The Name of Jesus by Brother Kenneth Hagin by Dad Hagin. So I read this book and this book was fantastic. If you can get a hold of it, I would recommend you that you get a hold of it. It's called The Name of Jesus. It's a powerful book. And this book gave me a, such a wonderful uh, glimpse and uh, revelation and, uh, you know, enlightened me about the name of Jesus. And I was so blessed by it. And I was, I, I as I was reading the scriptures and I read this book. It gave me an understanding of the majesty and the power of the name of Jesus. And anyway, I had a meeting and uh, in that meeting, there was a little boy. I think he was nine or 10 years old. He was totally paralyzed and he was actually dying. He had this incurable disease and the doctors had no cure for him. And uh, so I prayed for this boy and God, he God healed this boy. And it was all because of the revelation of the name of Jesus, because I understood that the name of Jesus is the name above every name. It is the name that is above every disease, every kind of devil, every work of Satan. I, I mean, I was gripped by this wonderful revelation of the majesty and the power of the name of our Lord Jesus. And this boy was healed and he's still healed today. In fact, he runs marathon as a hobby, marathons as a hobby. He's uh, about 50 years old and I'm in touch with him. But anyway, what happened after this was that a few days later, I was tremendously attacked in my mind 
by I was hearing these voices that were attacking the name of Jesus, blaspheming the name of Jesus. I mean, this, it was tormenting me day and night. And I understood this was because of that wonderful miracle that the Lord had done because of my understanding of the name of Jesus and the devil was attacking that. He was attacking that. I could hear these voices and these thoughts were coming and I was going crazy. So what I did, I went to this pastor and yeah, because he was my spiritual leader and I said to him, I said, brother, I'm being really tormented in my mind by these thoughts and by this voice, uh, not an audible voice. I don't know whether it was audible or not or it was inside, but it was so significant and strong. It was tormenting me. So I said, I'm being tormented by this voice and is blaspheming the name of Jesus and I don't know what it is. Can you help me? Please tell me uh, what to do. Please pray for me. He, this is what he said to me. He said, well, it is because you have demons. I said, okay, uh, if I have demons, uh, please cast them out of me because the Bible says in my name, you shall cast out demons. So if you say I have demons, so I put my head forward. I said, please lay your hands on me and cast this thing out of me because I don't want it. Anyway, so he put his hands on me. He commanded the demons to leave me. And the next day, it was back. I felt a temporary relief, but the next day, less than 24 hours later, it was back again. So I was being tormented worse than before. So I went to him. I said, brother, you said that I had demons and you cast them out. But I mean, is there something else? To it. He said, no, no, you have demons. I said, but if I have demons and you cast them out and, and, and they're still there, what do I do? Then I'll never forget. He took a pencil. He took up a pencil from his desk and made like scissors with his fingers. And this is what he said. He said, well, sometimes demons don't leave at one time, but they have to be cut off bit by bit. And it can take a lot of time. And when he said this, this terrified me because I was already at that place that I was scared stiff that, uh, that uh, one day when I'm preaching, the devil would begin to speak. You know, I was young. I was naive. I didn't understand all these spiritual truths. And so he said, I was afraid that one day these demons would begin to speak to me when I'm preaching or praying for the sake or prophesying. And I was terrified of that happening, the blasphemous things coming out of my mouth. And uh, now he says I'm demons. And uh, you know, I used to be, it was so bad. It was so bad. I could hear these voices while walking down the road. I could hear these voices when I was trying to go to bed. At night while my wife was asleep, I would lay shivering with cold sweat. I would literally be sweating in my bed, just terrified. And now he says that these demons are in me and they can, it can take a long time for them to leave and that they might leave me bit by bit. And now I was terrified even more and I didn't know what to do. So I went back home and I was crying out unto God. I would pray. I fasted. I did everything I knew how to do, but nothing was happening. And I remember one night, um, I don't know how much time had elapsed since I had met this pastor, maybe a few weeks, I was, I mean, I was, I thought I was going crazy. My mind was going crazy and I was so terrified. It took away all my boldness. I was afraid that 
and I'm preaching and suddenly the devils will begin to speak to me and blaspheme Jesus. And anyway, so I was laying in bed. My wife was fast asleep and the room was pitch dark. And I remember I was shivering, shaking in cold sweat, uh, trying to pray. When suddenly on the ceiling of my room, I saw a light appear like a, like a neon light. You know, these uh, uh, words and and numbers like like uh, you know figures and letters of the alphabet in lights so i saw this lettering yeah that's what they call it lettering on the ceiling in lights and it says first corinthians c o r 4 6 that's why i said first corinthians 4 6 i remember i sat up on the bed i looked at it I was still there, 1 Corinthians 4, 6. I switched on the bedside light. I looked up. It was still there. It was like a neon light right there on, on the ceiling, uh, you know, right above me. And I said, 1 Corinthians 4, 6. So I thought, oh, I better check the scripture. Now, in those days, I used to read the, uh, you know, I, I've always read the King James Bible, but... I decided to, you know, sometimes one version of the Bible can become monotonous. So I decided to change to the NIV. So I thought I was reading the NIV just to, you know, refresh. And so I picked up the Bible and I opened 1 Corinthians 4, 6 uh, NIV. And this is what, it, what the verse said. I'm reading to you. Now, brothers and sisters, I've applied. This is what the verse actually said. And I'm going to show you what I saw. It says the whole verse is now, brothers and sisters, I've applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying. Do not go beyond that which is written beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. So this is when Paul is addressing, you know, some people were saying I'm of Paul. I'm an apostle. I'm, I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. And right in the middle of the verse, my eyes fell on this phrase and this phrase kind of jumped up out of the out of the verse it says do not go beyond what is written do not go beyond what is written as soon as i saw that i understood what i had been doing the lord was saying to me don't go beyond that which is written in my word and i had done that I had believed the words of a man and now I was being tormented and suddenly it dawned on me that I had taken the words of a man because he was my spiritual leader as if they were the words of God and I had not checked with the scriptures. And <laughs> as a result, I was not believing that which was written, but I was believing something that was not in the scripture. That was his personal revelation or whatever you may call it. The moment I saw that, I looked up and in an instant that light disappeared. And it was like the entire weight had lifted off me. My burdens were lifted and this peace came and flooded my heart. And I was, I can't describe it how I felt, but I was completely, totally free in an instant and that those voices that terror that fear all that left me and never came back to me 
ever again. I was completely free. And that day, you know what I decided? I made a decision in my ministry. I will never go beyond what is written. I will never go beyond what is written in the written word of God. I will never base anything in my life or my ministry on somebody else's revelation, somebody else's prophecy, or God has shown him this or that. If it is not in the Bible, it is not good enough for me. That's the standard I have set. And I said to you a couple of days ago, that's why I missed out on a lot of those so-called revelations and and um, renewals and revivals, you know, where people do things like laughing and falling. If it's not in the Bible, I'm sorry, it's not for me. It may be okay for you, but not for me. That's the standard I have set in my life. Because, you see, I know what it is like to go beyond what is written, to follow the word and the revelation of a man and to suffer for it. And I have suffered mentally. I was going crazy. I have been there. So I will not open that door to the devil ever again by going beyond what is written. It says so, 1 Corinthians 4, 6. And this, it's a long verse, but out of that was this phrase. It jumped up at me. Do not go beyond what is written. So I will never go beyond what is written. So uh, what I'm saying to having your mind renewed, one of the first things you have to do is to decide I will not go beyond what is written, but I will only align my, uh, uh, my faith or my mind with what the word of God teaches. I have friends who say, oh, so-and-so is prophetic and God showed him this and God showed him that and, you know, he had a revelation and then this other prophet corroborated and they say, oh, I know this guy, he's a prophet, he's a great prophet and, you know, prophet is so-and-so is world famous, actually has endorsed her, her him as if her endorsing him gives veracity to his word. It doesn't. The only thing that you can base any of your beliefs on if there's no chapter or verse for it in two or three places in the Bible, please don't base any of your beliefs or doctrines on it. Okay, so this was my story and I wanted to share with you. Now I'm going to talk to you about the renewal of the mind and, you know, about the renewal of the mind. Now, Romans 12, 1, 2, that's where the phrase comes from. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So the first thing he says, you have to present your bodies unto the Lord. It's interesting because you see, when you're born again, your spirit man is born again. Your spirit man is totally made new. And that's where uh, the spirit of God lives. That's where, you know, that's the dwelling place of Christ. But then your body, your body doesn't get born again. Your mind doesn't get born again. So your, your, your body must be dealt with and your mind has to be dealt with. Although your spirit is born again, it is made new. And, uh, and that is why, uh, by the way, I must add this. That is why a Christian can never be totally demon possessed because there's many different levels of demonic oppression 
uh, and but total demon possession that is at the other extreme is a when <coughs> sorry is when a person spirit soul and body are totally totally possessed by the devil but that's why a christian cannot be possessed by the devil because christ lives in his spirit the spirit of god lives in his spirit he's born again and because his spirit is born again the devil can never touch that spirit now the devil can oppress his mind and there's degrees of oppression and the devil can attack his body and we see how jesus often cast out spirit of infirmities uh, spirits of infirmity and spirits of infirmity are, are spirits that attack your body and then they they can be obsessive things and compulsive things and they can be totally all out uh, demonic activity in a person's mind um, but that doesn't mean that person is demon possessed if he's born again he cannot be, be uh, he cannot be demon possessed although the devil can play crazy things with his mind he's still not demon possessed because his spirit is not possessed because his spirit that's where the holy spirit lives so you got to understand that so that is why i say christian can never be demon possessed so but here anyway that was besides the point but the point i'm trying to make here is that in romans 12:1 and 2 he tells the church in rome you got to deal with your body and you got to deal uh, with your mind right so he says so what do you do with your body you present your body as a living sacrifice to god holy and acceptable to god which means you don't sin against your body you don't commit fornication you don't commit adultery you don't get drunk you don't do things that defile your body so let your body be a living sacrifice which is holy before god which is acceptable to god right there's no compromise on holiness so you do that which is your spiritual worship so it's interesting that means that if you keep your body holy and you make a decision not to fornicate not to commit adultery not to commit sexual sin of any kind and uh, and uh, to to stay free from drunkenness and intoxication uh, or, or you know or, or inebriation of any kind he says that is actually your spiritual worship it is a spiritual worship to keep your body holy before god but then it says do not be conformed to this world but be but be transformed by the renewal of my mind that you that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good acceptable good and acceptable and perfect so it says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of this mind and many people think that do not be conformed to this world means uh, means um uh, you know don't think dirty thoughts don't watch dirty movies but keep your mind clear and that is true i mean that is a part of it but really when you think of it do not be conformed to this world it also means do not think the way the world thinks not necessarily in sinful things but in other things for example for example uh, just because the economy is bad everybody in the world is pessimistic that they're going to lose everything but if you're a believer you if your mind is renewed you won't think like that because you say you know i don't live by man's economy i live by god's economy i am a giver i'm a tither i give my offerings i give to missions i help the poor and my god has shall he has promised me in philippians 4:19 my god shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by christ jesus and you say that all the time now that is a renewed mind 
That's a mind that is renewed when it comes to the economic situation in today's world. When sickness and disease comes, uh, the uh, unrenewed, the Christian with the unrenewed mind, he will say, you know, like he will, his reaction to any crisis, whether it be economic or health or anything, it'll be exactly as the world thinks. There's no difference between how he thinks and the world thinks, although he's a Christian, reason is because his mind is still conformed to the thinking of this world. But when his mind is renewed, he will think of his health. He'll say, you know what? Okay, there is this disease has attacked my body. I live in a fallen world, but Jesus Christ is my healer. He actually has borne upon his own self every disease, every sickness, every infirmity that could ever attack me. And by his stripes, I have been completely healed. That is what he would say because his mind has been renewed. So you, you understand. So he says, do not be conformed to this world. It doesn't, it's not talking about sin, but he says, do not think like the world thinks in, in any given situation. Be different, but think in line with the Bible, because whatever way the world thinks, uh, God always speaks differently. So you think in line with what God says. So it says, and but be transformed into that way of thinking, uh, away from the world's way of thinking to God's words way of thinking by the renewal of my of your mind. Okay, so that's why the that's what the Bible says about the renewal of the mind. Ephesians four twenty two to twenty four. Then it says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt to deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what he's saying here is that is that the old way of thinking, it actually belongs to the old life. We have a new life from God. So when we have a new life, uh, you know, when we have a new life, you cannot put old wine in new wineskins. So when we have a new life for God, we can't think like the old man. So the old man has way, his way of thinking, not necessarily sinful thinking, but thinking like the world thinks in any given situation, sinful or unsinful. How does the world think? So, uh, so it says that way of thinking is actually the old way of thinking of the old self, the old man. But now that we are no longer the old man, but we are in Christ, so what we need to do, and we need to put on the new self. In another place, it says, so put on Christ. So we take off our old garments of unrighteousness. We put on our new garments of righteousness. And the Bible also calls it putting on Christ. So we put on Christ. And as we put on Christ, we also get our minds renewed. So because we put on Christ, and we are this new creature in Christ Jesus, our minds begin to think like Christ. Our minds begin to think like the new creature that we are in Christ, okay? So a renewed mind is the mind that is trained to think like the word, in line with the word of God and not like the natural man. The natural man thinks in a new, in, in, a, in an old way, but the renewed mind is a mind that is trained to think in line with the word of God. So it doesn't come automatically. 
just because you're saved, your mind doesn't automatically by default begin to think in line with the word of God, but it has to be trained to think that way. You have to train your mind. So you have to train your mind to think in line with the word of God. And it's a process. So the first thing you have to understand, it is a process. Be patient with yourself. Give yourself time to be renewed with the mind. Once you start that process, first you must decide, I'm going to go through with this because believe me, it will give you lifelong dividends. It'll help you align with the word of God in many, many ways. It'll affect your entire spiritual life. It will affect your entire faith life. So you've got to understand that this does not come automatically, but that it is a process and that and, and it can be a very, very, very long process, you know, very, very long process, but you'll get better and better and you'll have more and more fruit in your life. Secondly, it takes discipline because you have to correct yourself. And in the beginning is tough. You know, I, I told Britta, I said, if I talk this way, correct me. And I used to tell Britta, I, I'll correct you. And, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, look, look, we, I lived in Sweden for 20 years and Swedes, uh, can be very negative people. Swedes can be very negative. I mean, in the Swedish language, <laughs> it's funny. You go to someone's home and they serve you nice food. Uh, usually they don't say this was good. They'll say it wasn't bad. You know, I mean, even good things are tinged in a negative way. And they've got this way of self-deprecating. You know, you always have to put yourself down and uh, don't say too much uh, nice about anything. It's 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 negative. There's a negativity. So uh, I say. So for example, uh, you know, we we need things. And I said to Britta years ago, let us decide that we will never use these words. Oh, we cannot afford this. We never. We decided we'll never say that. If we knew we couldn't afford it, of course there are things outside our reach economically. We would never take those words with our mouth. We will never because we will not create a negativity, negativity in our mind that will say to us that, you know, there are things that are beyond our reach and saying in a way that our God isn't big enough. So what we would do, we would never say, which means in Swedish, we cannot afford this. We never use that kind of language. Instead, uh, what we would say, you know, I need to buy a new car and this is how much it will cost. Let's begin to believe God and let us begin to sow seed and let us begin to save. So we would rather put it this way. So we save whatever we could and we would sow seed as much, you know, the Lord would bless us. We would sow seed. And so we have always been able to get what we need. And we are not wealthy people. I don't live a uh, overly, I don't live a flashy lifestyle, uh, period. But but, you know, we put our to our three kids through private colleges and we didn't we didn't know how how we would do it when they told us the figures. It was scary, but but we did it and we trusted God. We believe God and we never talk about in our home. We don't talk about what we cannot afford, but we always talk generosity. We always talk about about being big and being generous and giving. And that is why God has blessed us, because we have also followed those things through uh, with action. But anyway, let us stop here now and we will talk more about this tomorrow. And, 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 and I hope it will bless you. Okay, so let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are watching this. I trust that this will bless them and uh, 
and that they will grow in their faith. And I thank you, Father, that you're still doing your work of renewing my mind in me. And I, my wife and I, we have come much farther than we were in the place where we were years ago. And I thank you that you're still working in us. Lord, you're good, you're merciful, and uh, your love and kindness, they endure forever. We thank you, Father. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, and I'll see you tomorrow.